prayer. It's what we're going to be talking about today. We all, eh, maybe not, most of us pray. Probably most of America has prayed at one point or another, either, oh God, help me, or something more formal, or our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, or some, something. Prayer. So we thought, why not talk about this underutilized, over-special opportunity that we have called prayer. Last week, we looked at some passages of Scripture that talked about how God answers all of the prayers of his children. <laughs> the problem is he doesn't always answer them yes. He sometimes answers them yes. He sometimes saves us from ourselves and answer them, answers them as no. Sometimes not that way and sometimes not now. And I think the longest discussion I had about the sermon I preached last week was whether or not the answer should be yes or no when the children want to jump on the trampoline scantily clad. But today, we're going to talk about another element of prayer. And I want to give you two keys to powerful and effective prayer. Two keys. And we, we have a chance to watch a testimony video of somebody from the Bridgewater family that God showed up and, and answered supernatural prayer in their life. And so that's, that's coming. But before we watch that video, I want to set that up with, with uh, two keys to powerful and effective prayer. Now there's 367 verses on prayer in the Bible. I just want to blitz you with a few of them right now. So Jeremiah 33.3, God answers. Here's what it says. Call on me, and I will answer you, and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. Matthew 11.28, God carries our burdens. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Philippians 4, 6 and 7 says, don't worry, but pray about everything. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Hebrews 4, 16, this is one of my favorite prayer verses. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Matthew 7 says, Ask, and it will be given you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. He who, find, who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Jeremiah 29, 12. Then you will call on me, and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you, God says. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Second Chronicles 714, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and will heal their land. Colossians 4.2 says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful 
and thankful. 1 Timothy 2.8. I want men everywhere to lift up holy hands in prayer. James 5.13. If Is any one of you in trouble? He should pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. 1 Peter 3.12. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. And then James 5, 16 to 18 says, The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Elijah was a man just like us. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed and the heavens gave rain and the earth produced its crops. Now that's just a spattering of the 367 verses. I could not read them all. In fact, I, I put down 20 of them and then I cut back. Because I said, that's going to take a long time. But God's word says a ton about prayer. <clears throat> the, verses, the verses in there that stand out to me would be, uh, you know, don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. <laughs> well, that covers pretty much everything. You know, let us confidently come before the throne of grace. Okay, so we pray with confidence. Ask and you'll receive. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be open. There's a lot of verses on prayer. So God definitely wants us to pray. But how, how can we make sure that our prayers are powerful and effective? It's kind of like the, the guy who wants to go fishing and goes fishing and really just stands by the shore having a good time but not catching anything. And he would probably come back to the bait shop and say, you know, teach me how to fish. I want to be, I want to be more effective. Like I actually want to bring something home. Okay, well, what about prayer? How can we be powerful and effective in prayer? Two, two uh, keys that I want to touch on this morning. First of all, pray God's will. <clears throat> pray God's will. First John 5, uh, this is what John writes there. He says, this is the confidence that we have in approaching God. So this is the confidence we can have when we pray. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, <clears throat> whatever we ask, we, we know that we have what we ask of him. So... Here's what John's saying. John's saying when we, when we approach God in prayer, we can do that confidently when we're asking according to his will. And the will of God isn't something spooky. The will of God is just whatever he has said in the Bible. So there, there are certain things that I know God says in the Bible that I know are his will. He, he wants me to love my neighbors as myself. He wants me to love him with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. He wants me to go to church. He wants me to share Jesus with people. Like, there is a lot that I know in the Bible that God wants me to do. He does not want me to be anxious. He wants me to pray. God's will. <clears throat> so praying according to God's will really is, is just praying in line with what he says in the Bible. Now, part of our problem would be if we don't know what the Bible says, it's hard to pray that way. It just makes sense. If we, 
How do I know what his will is if I don't know what is in here? That's true. So we need to read the Bible. We have a, uh, a child who doesn't do sometimes what he's told. Who am I kidding? We have many children like that. I'm like that. Who am I kidding? Um, but the reason this one doesn't do what he's told sometimes is because he's talking and not listening. And so mom will give several chores in a row, several opportunities to serve in a row. He will hear the first one, begin interacting with it, and never hear number two or number three. So our grill did not get recovered last night until this morning because as we laid in bed, my wife said, I'm pretty sure the grill did not get covered. And I know whose job that was. I remember the instructions going out. And the reason, I bet he didn't even hear it. I'm like that. How can I possibly do what God says if I don't know what he says? How can I pray God's will if I don't have any idea what his will is? He's not going to give me anything against his will. So, so if, I, if I want something for selfish motives, he's probably going to say no. If I want to pray for something that will harm somebody else, it's probably a no. Oh God, please get my neighbor back. His dog continues to come over to my yard. Get him back. Well, God's probably not going to answer that with a yes. Maybe it'll be a wait. I don't know. Um, he's not going to help me with something that's going to lie or manipulate the truth. He's not going to give me anything, vote yes for anything, or say yes to anything that I'm trying to get that would bring reproach or shame to his name. So how do my prayers line up with God's will? God's will is defined as his desired plan. So Jesus was a perfect example of this. Jesus in, uh, in Mark 14, 36. So Jesus was asked to do some things by God while he was here on earth. And one of them was to die for our sins on a cross. And this is what Jesus says in, in Mark 14, 36. Father, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. In other words, Jesus is saying, I, I don't want to go through with this. However, I humbly understand that you have a greater will and purpose. Boy, if there was another way, I'd like to take the other way. But, but not my will, but yours. Jesus was praying in the Father's will. I, I usually, I have to confess, <laughs> my prayers are not always humble like that. Oftentimes I can be pretty demanding. And sometimes I even tell God I know what he doesn't know. And if he would just get in line with my will, 
Everything would be great. And he probably shakes his head. He says, ah, Bixby. Ah. Gabriel, look at that. Brett's at it again. As I shake my fist and pray, he's like, no, that's not, I have something better for you. If you want powerful and effective prayers, you need to pray my will, not yours. Even when we do not know God's specific plans or purposes, we can demonstrate Jesus' attitude of humility as we pray. Praying God's will, the first key. Number two, second key, obey God's will. So not only is it me praying God's will, but but living a life of obedience is directly tied to powerful and effective prayers. I don't know if you realize that. But as we live our lives in obedience, that has an effect on, how, on our prayers. Here, here are some verses. Uh, Psalm, Psalm 66, 18, David writes, if, if I had not confessed sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. In other words, David recognized, if I hadn't dealt with the sin, I was living incorrectly. If I had not dealt with the sin, God's ears would have been closed. Mark eleven twenty five 25, and when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. Matthew 5, 23 and 24, it says, therefore, if you are, if you are offering your gifts at the altar and there you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gifts there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them, then come and offer your gifts. This is a great example, just like in, in 1 Samuel 15, 22, when, David, when, uh, when Saul had this conversation with Samuel, God wants obedience more than he wants sacrifice. And so in Matthew 5, Jesus is saying, you deal with the obedience in life The sacrifice, that can come later. You want powerful and effective prayers? If I want powerful and effective prayers, I need to make sure my prayers are humbly lining up with what God says in his word. I also need to make sure that I'm living a life of obedience. There there is uh, forgiving people. Unforgiveness is one of those lids it's kind of like a trash can, and you throw garbage in the trash can, and you know every time I, I, uh, I throw the, the garbage in the trash can, I'm like, ah, you know, I, I sin and I sin, and and then I ask forgiveness. I'm like, God, will you just, will you just forgive, man? I did this. I shouldn't have done that. I'm sorry. I did this. I shouldn't have done. That. It's almost like God takes the trash can, he dumps it all out, and says, yeah, all right, there you go, there you go, Brett. Like, ah, oh, such a relief. But when I have sin in my life, it's kind of like a lid is on the trash can. It doesn't dump out. Because God says, no, 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 no. You you deal with you. You can't expect to have powerful and effective prayers, Brett, if, if, if if you're not living a life that's how I tell you to live. 
We treat our children this way too. I mean, it's, it's, the, it's the child that, that disobeys and disobeys and disobeys and then says, can I have a popsicle? You're like, no, you can't have a popsicle. You're, you're on the verge of hell. You can't have a popsicle. You're probably not. I, just, I made that up. But, you know, you, as a parent, I'm like, no, live in obedience. You know, you live in obedience and then you ask for something. Oh, as, a loving, as a loving father, earthly father, I, I'd love to bless you with a popsicle. Yeah, we'll cut it in half and we'll give you two. <laughs> yeah, it's an old trick. Yeah, I'm going to be a good grandpa. Um, you know, you think about that and, and why wouldn't God be any different? He's not. And that's what the Bible says. Pray in accordance with God's will. Live in a way that pleases God. And those directly impact the, the power of our prayers and the effectiveness of our prayers. There's a, um, there's a family that, that went through... And I, I shouldn't even... We're going to watch a great video of the power of prayer. And uh, let's just watch it, and then I'll talk more about it, because it's really good. So January 3rd, 2021, started off as basically a normal Sunday. I was kind of winding down the day, getting the kids ready for bed, and... Uh, and that's when I heard my wife from the bathroom say, Brian, my water just broke. She was 38 weeks pregnant, so we knew, you know, it could be at any point in time. And so we took off down the interstate towards Wilkes-Barre to the hospital. At that point in time, that was my biggest concern was whether or not we'd make it to the hospital. So once we got to the hospital, um, Brian and I had been discussing baby names like <laughs> all night long. And at that point, like he's like, I really need to take a shower. So um, I was like, all right, you go take a shower, but don't forget to think about baby names. So he's like, I will. As I was coming out, I heard the voices in the room kind of change. And uh, they, ch they changed tones to where I could tell, like, something's going on that's not quite right. Finally, the doctor came in and she said, the baby's heart rate has dropped. We need to do an emergency C-section. And I said, okay, you know, whatever you need to do. And they took her, they wheeled her into the operating room. And uh, of course, at that point in time, I had to stay in the room. It was a few minutes later and I heard on, you know, the hospital loudspeaker, they started shouting out, code blue, code blue. And, um, and then it was just like a rush of nurses and doctors going in. And I didn't really find out anything for probably about 45 minutes before Lainey's doctor had come in to give me the report to say that Lainey was okay. The surgery went well and they got the baby out. And um, I remember asking, I said, I heard a baby crying um, shortly after you took her into the operating room. Was that my son? And uh, she said to me, no, um, your son didn't make any noise. His body was very limp. That's all she could tell me. The nurse came in and said, your wife's coming out. You can meet her in the hallway and go towards the, the recovery room. And uh, this doctor came to give a report. He said, your son um, was born without a heartbeat and he wasn't breathing. And he and the other neonatologists had worked for over 15 minutes to be able to resuscitate him. And, um, and at that point, 
there was this mix of emotion of on one hand thinking like relief that my son was alive at that point and and on the other hand recognizing that this was still a very critical situation he told me that he's he needs to be life lighted to Danville Children's Hospital and then he went into they have to put him on this special treatment to preserve his brain it won't reverse brain damage but it will prevent further brain damage from happening the first thing I remember hearing was ma'am your son is alive I didn't know you know really what that meant and so um, my first question was is he gonna live and Brian said we don't know so at that point I felt like this intense feeling of like just wanting to panic but at the same time I felt like the Lord just gave me such a, a calmness and a, a strength in that moment just his presence was so near you know, we went to the recovery room and you know, we waited to find out more. They said that, that they were going to bring Silas to us so that we could uh, we could see him before he took off in the helicopter. They finally brought him in in this little box uh, with all kinds of tubes and cords and stuff attached to him. And, you know, I was so grateful to see him at that point. Um, we saw him for about 30 seconds before they just said, we need to go now. Um, like, we got we to gotta get him to, that, to his care in Danville. They came and they, uh, they, they got Lainey ready and she went in the ambulance and then uh, I followed behind in our car. I, I guess I can easily pray kind of more reserved or, or almost giving God a way out. Like, God, if it's your will, would you do this or that? Or, God, um, you know what's best and I trust you, but if, you, if this is what I want, please do this, you know. But, but in that moment, um, in that drive, my prayers were different. It was maybe even came across as demanding, um, but it was like God wanted me to pray that way, where it was like, God, you need to save my son. You need to heal him. You need to make sure that he stays alive. And um, just praying in a way that was bolder than I think I'd ever prayed before. It was from this point of just complete surrender, um, saying, God, you can do something. I can't, so do something. We had reached out to, to just ask people to pray for us. And then the texts and, and stuff started coming in, just people telling us, hey, we're praying for you. And uh, it really did make a difference, I think, for us. And just knowing that we weren't alone in this, um, like God was there, but also man, there was there was an army of people behind us that were, uh, that were praying for us and for our situation and for our little boy. I felt like with so many people praying for us that I felt like there was like two teams. I felt like there was the doctor team and the nurses team that was working on Silas and I felt like there was a prayer team that was praying for Silas and I felt like they were both working together for this little baby. So when I got to Danville, I was um, checked into my room and they told us that we could go see Silas. Um, he was on like full support oxygen, but even at that point, um, it wasn't enough and his oxygen levels weren't where they needed to be. and. Um, the doctor was explaining to me that you know his kidneys weren't working, his his liver wasn't working correctly. There was all these organs that like weren't working because it just they just couldn't get enough oxygen. And I remember looking up at the monitor and seeing like, yeah, it's not enough. It should be at like 99 or 100, and it was at like 79. People asked, how can we pray? I said, just pray that his oxygen levels would increase. And that night we prayed. We were texting people just to let them know, you know. And uh, the next morning. Uh, it was pretty early in the morning that we went and uh, went to go see him. And uh, I was able to go look and see the monitor and see the oxygen level that we had prayed for. 
and to see it up at like 100%. And um, to visually see an answered prayer right before my eyes, it was like every time we showed up at the NICU, something had improved. Or, or they had weaned him more off something, you know, it was just like, it was incredible. To have a front row view of, of answered prayers, um, knowing that there was thousands of people praying for him, thousands of people. So after seven days, they did an MRI and um, they came back completely normal. They were shocked that there was nothing that they could see. At first, I mean, I don't know that we knew how to process that information. Um, but we got up and we just started hugging them and celebrating and the, you know, like, um, they just kept saying, it's a miracle. And uh, like, yeah, it was a miracle. <laughs> and uh, for everything that he went through, you know, those like 15, 16 minutes without oxygen and uh, for him to come out with his brain clear and this little healthy boy it's just like, uh, you can't, we can't put words to it. It's, it. it's God answering prayer after prayer and doing miracle after miracle. In previous trials, I haven't um, experienced God's presence so closely to me because I have resisted him or um, been even angry sometimes feeling that he's maybe apathetic or um, just didn't care about me as much. The Lord has been taking me on a journey of teaching me just how much he loves me and cares for me and so when this happened I just completely leaned into him and believed that he was good no matter the outcome that he was going to be good and um, that was just such a huge encouragement to me and it helped me um, get through those days. Well the reality is that you know not all stories have a happy ending. I guess the choice is to lean into his presence, um, to continue to pray, to continue to just trust him knowing that the outcome may or may not be the way that we want it to be but yet at the end of the day he's faithful and he is good we know that from the word of God and and you look at the examples in scripture that not all their stories turned out great and yet God was faithful through it all and God was good through it all That's uh, Brian and Lainey Loshbaugh from the Montrose campus. Um, they're actually in my wife and my small group five years ago or so. Um, a couple things he said that stand out. One is the faithfulness of God can't hinge on how he answers our prayers. Um, and I would urge you, after, after a, a series like this, this is week two, we have week three coming up, you know, what do, what do I do with this? I would urge you to make some commitments in prayer and, and take some steps to improve your prayer life. Um, so, so what does that mean? Well, one of the ways you can keep track of God's faithfulness, I, I've talked about this, I'm going to keep banging on this drum, a, a blessing box, a way, some way for you to keep track of God's faithfulness in your life. Um, the Israelites crossed the Jordan River and they were told to get 12 big rocks and stick them in a monument. And the reason was, Joshua said, because if you do that, then your kids and your grandkids and the kids after them are going to come back and say, how come there's that monument? And you get a chance to say, oh, let me tell you how God was faithful. He helped us cross this river. That river? That river. No way. Yeah. Whoa. So, 
My wife and I have a blessing box. It's just a box that we keep track of. There's little teeny, I don't know, there's a Lego guy in there. There's a Lincoln log in there. There's a bunch of things in there, and each one represents a time in our lives when God has showed up and God was faithful. Keep track of that because these kind of moments, they come through our life and we end up on a mountaintop and we're really excited about God's faithfulness. But two years later, we're in a valley and we forget at how amazing God is in answering prayer and being faithful. Having those records allows us to remember how faithful God is. It also allows us to build our kids' faith so our children can hear us talk about how great our God is. I put some, some steps that you can take. You know, what, what does this mean? Um, last week I talked about maybe turn the radio off while you're driving so you can pray if you're alone and keep your eyes open. Um, maybe use your shower time to pray. Find times to pray in your life. Cut out the things that... Turning the radio on in the car doesn't matter. It shouldn't matter to me. I can just pray. A blessing box I put on there. Identify a time and a place for you to pray every single day. Maybe it's a prayer journal for you. Maybe commit to praying for someone who's far from God that you have stopped, you gave up on prayer. Re-engage. There's a, a new application today. And uh, it's, uh, it's on these pieces of paper right here. Um, <clears throat> next week, we're going to finish up our series on prayer. And I would like us, us, Bridgewater Vestal, to commit to pray from 8 in the morning next Sunday morning until noon. So four hours of prayer, but we'll take turns. So it's not that somebody will say, I'll pray all four hours. Okay, good, we're covered. No, 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 we'll take turns praying. So these sheets of paper, we'll use the room right out there with the couches, okay? And every... So, I've got time slots written down here. These are going to be out on the table out there. Um, I want to encourage you to sign up to pray. They're, they're in half-hour time slots. There are six slots per half hour. But you know what? If we have to add numbers 7 to 12, fine. The more people praying, the more better. All right? More better. Yeah. It's more better. Um, so, so, parents, parents. Sign up with your kids. What an amazing opportunity to have your kids be a part of something like this. Um, one, of, one of the teachers uh, at uh, one of our campuses a few years ago, we were doing this, and one of the, the fourth and fifth grade teacher took the entire fourth and fifth grade class for a half an hour into the prayer room and prayed with them. My kids came home and said, that was amazing. You're never going to believe what we did for class today. We... It, it was neat. It was, it was a faith builder for my children to be a part of that. Um, so, so please, sign up. Some of you are thinking, what in the world would I pray for for a half an hour? Don't worry. We've got that covered too. We, we made up prayer books with a bunch of things that we can pray about. From, from Bridgewater, from our community, from our world, from our nation, from our lives, our missionaries. Just tons of things we can pray about. You will be shocked at how fast the time goes. In fact, if you sign up for an hour, you'll be shocked at how fast the time goes. 
The only way you will not be shocked is if you are juggling a two-year-old and a three-year-old in there while you try to pray. I don't recommend that. They're not good prayers. We do family prayer at night, and we have these two new children, a two-year-old and a three-year-old, and they now have the bow down. So at our home, we've, we've been praying each night forever since, since we got married. And, and when we had little kids, we would have them all kneel down and put their heads in towards a circle. And it wasn't more spiritual. It was just so I could flick them if they were out of line. That was really... And so now we've got the little heads all in again. And I realize it's, 15 seconds is pretty long. <laughs> so I get it. But you know what? If you have second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth graders, junior hires, high schoolers... What an opportunity for them to be a part of something like this. Um, grandparents, same thing. But let's fill these slots. Let's fill them super full, um, 8 o'clock until noon, and let's, let's pray. Um, I'll tell you what, you want to be a better prayer? Start praying more. It's not about a flowery, elegant prayer. It's just about talking to God because he cares for us. Praying his will humbly and living in obedience all the other time. Let's, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the testimony of, of Brian and Laney and uh, the example that they give us about how they saw you answer huge in prayer. Um, thank you for the, uh, the reminder that you're, you are looking for opportunities to show up in our lives. We just need to give you a chance. Um, Father, I look forward to the, the prayer time we're going to have next Sunday from 8 to noon. Um, I pray that the sheet would be too full, that we wouldn't even have enough slots. And um, Help us to be a ministry. I pray that Bridgewater would be a, a ministry marked by prayer and a, a dependence on you that goes very, very deep. Um, we can't do this on our own, Lord. We can't parent on our own. Our, our work needs you. Our relationships need you. Quite honestly, even our heart to beat needs you. Our drive home in our car needs you. So help us to remember our dependence on you and demonstrate that through prayer. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.